Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Siri. What? Can you please play the DeCommunist podcast? No. Oh, Siri, you bitch. Zetus Lapidus gang, welcome back to episode two, season two of DeCommunist, the only show where we talk about Disney Channel original movies that's hosted by me. There might be other ones that talk about these movies, but I'm not on them, so who gives a shit? Thank you for tuning in. So happy to have your ears listening to my talkings. This week, we're talking about truly one of my all-time fave Disney Channel original movies, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. This movie, there is fashion, there is music, there is technology. It is sci-fi, it's a teen drama, it's mystery, it's an action spy thriller. You don't, you can't find a movie with so much to it today. They just don't make them like they used to back in, I don't know, probably like 2000. (laughs) I don't know when the movie came out because if you didn't listen to uh, my first episode back of Camp Rock, I forgive you. I'm so sweet that I can just forgive you just like that. I'm changing things up for season two. I'm going to talk about the uh, movie before I have seen it. So I'll just give you my, what I remember, my feelings, my thoughts, my concerns. Um, a lot of times really odd things will stick in my brain. And so it'll be a fun time for me to like tell you like if there's just like one weird thing I remember about a movie, I'll be like, yeah, I, this is all I remember about the movie. Like as an example, and not to spoil anything because we've already talked about this movie, Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, I didn't remember anything about that movie except for the fact that that kid made fried chicken with like crushed fruit loops. That was all I remembered from the movie. So that's an example of the hot content you're going to get in the first half of this podcast. Then I will watch the movie and then I'll come back to the podcast, obviously, and we'll just chit chat. I'll have tons of facts and figures. We can talk about the cast. Um, I love researching things. So I will have some new deets, some new interesting facts, Wikipedia, IMDb. They're all great. And then it can also be fun for you, because if you're sitting there thinking, Jessica, holy shit, I don't need to hear you talk for 45 minutes straight about a movie I've never seen. You can do what I did, or at least a movie you haven't seen, you know, for several years. You can do what I do. You can listen to the first half of the podcast, take a break, watch the movie, and then come back. It'll be fresh in your mind. It's fresh in my mind. And then we can all just have a real fun time. So that's the plan. That's what we're in store for. Um, I want to just be upfront with you guys right now. I don't want you to think I have misled you, but I did mere minutes ago, mere seconds ago, frankly, say, oh yeah, sometimes I don't remember anything about a movie. With this movie, with Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, what a fantastically long title, here for two after following shall henceforth be referred to as Xenon for the sake of time. Xenon is a movie I remember really well. There's a, a a wide variety of reasons that I could think why that's true. A, I think I watched it a lot. B, I watched it a lot because it came out when I was younger, and so I was definitely watching the Disney Channel a lot more than I was with, say, some of the newer films. And three, in a word, it's iconic. So, yeah, I remember this movie super well. The fashion alone has been seared into my brain. I can't remember what year the movie set in. I hope when I watch it, it's like 2015, and I'm like, oh, we really missed the mark on that one. I might be a little bit later. But it was a lot of metallics, like very shiny materials. I feel like a lot of clear plastics. Like The movie didn't come out... It came out, I think, right around 2000, maybe a little before, maybe a little bit after. 
And I think that their version of future clothes was very reminiscent of, say, like, the 60s, 50s, 70s. (laughs) 50s, 60s, 70s. Let's say things in numerical order, you idiot. They had some real high hopes for the future. I'm thinking of, like, the Jetsons or people like that who were just guessing as what the future could hold. Whereas this movie should have maybe had, like, a little bit better of a guess in terms of fashion. But I'm glad that they just went for it because it's so entertaining There are, I remember just backpacks galore. Everyone has a sweet backpack. I remember one kid has like a sash backpack, like one of the ones that goes like diagonal across to you. Don't know why. Just sometimes, you know, things stick in your brain. Um, But they got so excited. The fashion is fantastic, but not very accurate. The technology, on the other hand, is uh, dead on oftentimes frighteningly similar. Like, I'm not saying we have people that live in space in, like, a little space community, although we have the International Space Station, but these people were, like, living in space, like, doing science. Xenon herself had never even been on Earth, as I recall, or at least not since she was a wee lass. But they did have her, um, Xenon, and her friend played by Raven Simone, whose name I don't remember, uh, they had, like, little, they looked like palm pilots, but they could, like, video chat with each other. Um, you might think of it as FaceTiming, which is definitely technology we have right now. And they store information on tiny little silver discs. Basically think of like a mini CD. Um, you might remember that Xenon has to track one down in the garbage can. She's not looking for it. She's just looking for some cute garbage because that's the kind of gal she is. Finds one and like wears it as an earring. Like it was that small. But that's what they have like all these information on. And I know what you're thinking. Everything is digital now, Jessica. You're not wrong, but has anybody seen the game cartridges for the Nintendo Switch? Ah, yeah, teeny tiny. So they called that too. The music in this movie, I'm hitting the big three because that's what I, that's, when you think Xenon, you think fashion, you think tech, you think music. Protozoa is the name of this boy band in the movie. I call them a boy band. They might be trying to make themselves like a rock band now that I think about it because they're not like dancing and they're not NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. But they, oh, zoom, 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 you make my heart go boom, boom, my Supernova Girl, their number one hit song. Protozoa, the lead singer, whose name might be Protozoa, and I might be misremembering the band name, has fantastic hair. It's sectioned, it's like frosted tip, it's very spiky. It always reminded me of when I would go to the um, Play It Again video in Muhammad, which no longer exists because people don't rent movies from stores anymore, but there's always the... Uh, Hellraiser VHS cover and he had all those needles poking out of his head. That's what this guy's hair always reminded me of. But the tunes are hot. And I do recall logging on to DisneyChannel.com or Disney.com with my parents' permission. They were very clear on that in the commercials. Gotta have their permission. I had a they had a Xenon game and you had to Ooh, I'm just like trying to visualize it. You basically had like little clips from the song from Zoom, 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 and you had to put them in order of like how the song went. But I feel like they were also like planets. I know that someone out there in the world has somehow captured this on YouTube. So I'll track it down after I watch the movie and have some more information. But I just remember playing that game and having the time of my life because Xenon was a movie that came out right as you were sort of integrating more into movies. It used to just be you'd watch the movie, you'd buy the merch, you'd call it a day. Not anymore. Now there's like whole movies on Snapchat. You have to like buy this 
DVD from Target, or the <laughs> the DVD, that's even tacky. You have to buy the Blu-ray digital copy from Target to get X amount of deleted scenes. Then you got to pop over to Walmart to get the, you know, tin collector set. Or you can go to Best Buy and get the one um, that has nothing special, which is what I accidentally did when I bought Power Rangers because I didn't know that Target or Walmart, whichever one, had the fancy version. But I forgive myself, you know? What's the point of what's the point of being mad at myself forever? I have the movie, don't I? But I do wonder what those deleted scenes were. But anyway, back to Xenon. It was, you know, there was more going on. You could reach your audience in a different way than just showing them the movie. They could interact. They could, like I said, go online, read stuff about the characters, look at pictures, play games based off the movie. It was just a, a very fun and exciting time. When content creators, which is, I guess, a very modern term for these sort of people, it's called the movie makers, were finding new ways to reach their audience. Because Xenon's all about technology, so I'm gonna, you're going to sit down, you're going to listen to me talk about technology that I find interesting. Or you can fast forward through this. If you're listening on the podcast app on your iPhone, there's a fast forward 15 seconds button, just tap, tap, tap. Shut me the hell up. I can't do anything about it. And then I don't even know why I'm going to talk to you about this because I just burned myself so bad when I was talking about Camp Rock and I said all those flattering things about Kevin Jonas and all those disparaging things about Nick Jonas when I was so wrong. Kevin was an idiot and Nick was a sweetheart. But I'm going to give you the three impressions that I remember from the cast. One of them is so stupid. I'm so sorry, but I was just watching Princess Diaries. I think it's because I'm always thinking about it. And they had... The girl, she plays the mean girl in Xenon, and then she was like a Disney Channel like reporter for their commercial segments, and she was reporting on the Princess Diaries, and they put her in the movie. And you see her like watching Lana Anna and Fontana sing Stupid Cupid. That's two episodes in a row I've mentioned Stupid Cupid. Let's see if I can organically get it into every episode from here on out. That would be terrible. But the other things I remember from this movie, the boy, the earth boy, who shows Xenon a horse, <laughs> he was not cute. That's what I remember. I might be being a little critical, but I remember I didn't like his hair. I didn't like his attitude. And I didn't think he was cute. I don't even remember if I thought he was nice. I just remember thinking Xenon deserved better. Because she came from freaking outer space. And was being thrown to Earth. Like a little, you know, a prison type sentence. Like she was getting punished by going to Earth. And then she has to deal with this Yahoo. I felt bad for her. Uh, (laughs) And then the last thing that I want to touch on cast-wise. Is Xenon's aunt, who she goes... To stay with on Earth. I think they so desperately wanted to get Lisa Kudrow to play the part. But she was probably too busy, you know, doing Friends. She's like, I don't really have time to go do a Disney Channel original movie. So they got the closest thing they could get to like a Lisa Kudrow type. I don't remember her name. I don't remember the aunt's name at all. But if I go on Time to Be and I find out that they're cousins, I won't be surprised. I'll be like, yeah, absolutely you guys are related. You are very similar. She's acting just like Phoebe. Phoebes, you know. Um, (laughs) so yes, fashion, technology, music, and then some fun facts about the cast. I don't want to say too much more. I have a lot more that I could say because as previously stated, I basically remember this whole movie, but I want to watch it and have it real, real fresh in my mind, not just vague recollections. And then we'll really get into it. So if you guys are going to do what I'm doing and stop here and watch the movie, I hope you enjoy it. If you're going to keep going and just listen straight through I'll see you in a matter of seconds, but I'll be a completely different person because I'll have just finished watching Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. 
and we're back. Hey gang, thanks for sticking with me, or thanks for retuning in. If you just got done watching Xenon, hope you had a great time. Hope you have a zoom, 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 you make my heart go boom, boom, stuck in your head for a couple hours like I did. I recorded the first part of this podcast a while ago, and then I watched the movie even a little bit longer ago, and now I'm getting to the second part of the podcast. I don't want you to think I'm hiding things from you. I'm not trying to be mischievous. Sometimes things come up. Sometimes I'm lazy. I know you think, how hard could it be to sit in your couch and talk about a movie? It's not, but I'm just that lazy. And then sometimes, you know, I go to Best Buy and buy an iPad and then come home and realize, oh, I didn't actually want this iPad. And then I go back to the store two hours later and return it. So I'm going to dedicate the second part of this podcast to the employee at Best Buy who did not sass me for returning something two hours after I bought it. He just politely said, this will be returned to your visa. Thanks for your help. Or thanks for your business. I thanked him for the help. That's how that went down. But anyway, we're going to talk about Xenon, girl of the 21st century. Listening back to the first part of my podcast, I gotta say, I was pretty right on most things. You know, after watching the movie, there was nothing that I felt I was too um, egregiously wrong on. The couple couple of things that I did remember that I sort of misspoke on. um, The movie set in 2014... 2047 or 2049. Can't read my own handwriting. Um, <laughs> but it is 2000. Oh, yeah. It's 2049. Um, April 18th, 2049, to be exact, is the day it starts. Because um, a little fun IMDb fact that I picked up April 18th, 2049, they say in the movie, Monday, April 18th, 2049, but in actuality, that's going to be a Sunday. So, a bunch of freaking yahoos can't even use a calendar over at Disney. Okay. But anyway, um, the space station, they call it the Space Day for short because they're hip and cool. And I have so much lingo to talk with you about later. But they call it a 27-year-old space station. So, while the movie is set in 2049, they launched that puppy in 2022, which is not super far away from where we are now. So I feel like I kind of got my wishes granted. You know, I wanted it to be set um, in a time where when they made the movie and there were all these fantastical things happening that would have seemed preposterous to us now. You know what I mean? Like Back to the Future. Didn't we already pass the Back to the Future year? And hoverboards fucking suck. Like our hoverboards are just douchebag viners. RIP to that app though. Zipping around LA chasing each other and, I don't know, promoting weight loss tea. Hoverboards should have been awesome. And those things don't even hover. They have wheels. You know, I had a Razor scooter back in my day. Thank you. I worked like an American that have a motor zipping me around. Although now I do have, you know, a car. So maybe that's not a great argument to make, but what are you gonna do? The other thing that I was a little scooch wrong on when I was talking previously, I said that Xenon found the little disc um, that Lutz, <laughs> Lutz, that's, did you know 30 Rock stole their character's name from a Disney Channel original movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm calling Tina Fey tomorrow as well, guys. Let's get a campaign started. Anyway, Lutz is the sort of evil henchman. Um, and I said she found his disc and when she was looking for stuff in the garbage and made it an earring. That was wrong. I was really um, unfairly stealing Nebula, played by the incomparable Raven Simone. I was stealing her thunder because she just finds it on the ground and makes it into a wonderful going away present for her friend Xenon as she is shipped off to Earth. Um, so for those of you not in, the, not in the know, not familiar with the movie, I'll give you a real quick plot summary. 
tale as old as time, Grohl lives in an international space station, which is privately owned by Wyndham, Wyndham Group, Wyndham Corporation. I don't, I had a lot of questions about the laws of living in space, first of all, space piracy, hmm? and uh, in a in a privately owned, you know, it's not the government, it's not the United Nations or whatever ruling this, it's just some guy. What happens if someone stabs somebody up there? Fortunately, doesn't come up because this is a kid's movie, but <laughs> you gotta wonder. Anyway, she lives on the International Space Station, Space Day, and they have a lot of scientists up there. Like, that's the whole point is for advanced research. Like, Xenon's parents are working on something to do with bone marrow density because the zero gravity is helpful for their experiments. There's a very creepy CGI rat for no reason. Like, they could have just gotten a real rat, but I digress. So she lives on the space station. Her parents are kind of well-known, well-liked. Like, her dad starts, like, a, a round of applause in the um, mess hall. Or the mess pod. I think they call everything pods or modules. Um, but anyway, I really am just getting tied down to the ticky-tacky of the movie when I said this was going to be quick. She's a spunky tween. She goes to school. All her friends um, are scientist kids as well. And... Well, I got, I need to address this before I go any further. She's in the first class that they show, the only class that they show, frankly, is like a history class or a poli-sci current events class. And they're talking about President Clinton. And this movie came out in, um, came out in 99. So you're like, oh yeah, no, I know who President Clinton is. Go on. Do you? Bear in mind, this was set in 2049, kids. That's right. Chelsea Clinton is president. I repeat, Chelsea Clinton is president and Xenon girl of the 21st century. They show a picture in her class of the, the, you know, first family. And it's Bill, Hillary, and Chelsea. And I was just dying. Because we could have, you know... Not that Chelsea couldn't still be president, but we're so close to Hillary. I need to get over it. It's too late. To apologize. It's too late. Anyway, so she goes to class on the space station, but she gets in trouble. She's plunky. She's spunky. She's got a sharp wit, and she likes to revel rouse with her friends. And they have Wyndham, the guy who I was talking about earlier, who owns the space station. He's coming up to see what's going on, and everyone's freaking out because it's like, oh, this guy who, like, spends all this money on our space station is coming to help us or coming to see how his investment is doing, really. Um, So parents like Xenon, can you just fucking chill for, like, a little bit, please? We need to look good when the sky is here. And Zena's like, yeah, fine. And she does her best for a little bit, but there's some like Aurora Borealis happening. So she goes out in a spacesuit, um, which in 2049, apparently spacesuits are going to look the exact same as they do now. I would have liked to have seen, you know, some adjustments, some tweaks, maybe like uh, not, you know, just white with big old boots. You know, we've all seen gravity. But anyway, so she goes out and her dad busts her for flying outside the space station. Um, her dad is just, kind of the worst sort of dad like her dad wishes he was young and fun still so when she does something stupid like this the mom the poor mom the matriarch of the family who puts on a stress helmet all the time because her daughter freaks her out is like you can't be doing this like we asked you why are you like this and the dad's like yeah but also that was so cool oh my god i'm like you were undermining the entire family structure because you want to be friends with your kid more than you want to give her structure and that's why she's acting out I don't know everything about parenting. Frankly, I don't know a thing about parenting. But I've seen enough movies to know that that's what's happening here. But so the dad is just a real shithead. And the mom's like, we're dropping a friggin' hammer. You're grounded. 
Now, normally, gang, when you get grounded, you maybe have to stay in your room and, you know, you don't get to watch Gilmore Girls. Not (laughs) here. They mean grounded, like grounded to earth. Yeah. They're sending her to live on earth with her Aunt Judy, who hates space. Um, because Xenon just can't handle it. She's too wild. She's too crazy. She needs to get away from her, you know, um, toxic environment. So they send her to earth and the earth kids are so mean to her because, um, she's from outer space, which should be tight. Like I never got that whole like new girl, fuck you thing. When we were in school or when I was in school, most of the people listening were probably in school with me. So that's why I say we, anyway, when I was in school and there's a new person, everyone wanted to like find out who the new person was. Like, what's their deal? Let's hang out with them. So where this trope of like the new kid getting like beat up or having to eat alone in the bathroom preposterous. Maybe I just went to a super friendly school. I mean, my school had its faults. Don't get it twisted. But anyway, so they're all making fun of Xenon because she's from outer space. And the teacher actually, she's like, hey class, you know, we have a new student today. Her name is Radon. And Xenon's like, no, it's Xenon. I was like, what a freaking great joke. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you're just like some chemical element. Who cares? But one boy sees Xenon because she's pretty. Uh, played by Kirsten Storms. Kirsten or Kirsten? I know it's not Kristen. I'll tell you that much, but it's Kirsten or Kirsten. She's in like Days of Our Lives in General Hospital now. Um, nobody else really from this movie went on to do much. Greg, who was played by a man named Greg, like the little lover boy here. He was in, um, what is it, Tiny Soldiers? Toy Soldiers? Where the G.I. Joes like come to life. I watched that movie not too long ago. It is messed up. Like, there's a full-on war. Like, people die in that movie. I, I really shouldn't be talking about it because this is in the Toy Soldiers podcast. But it's, I think it was on Netflix, or it used to be. Might still be. Check it out. Nuts. Truly, absolutely bonkers. Anyway, so he was in that, and that's really all I want to talk about. And then we all know Ravenspoon. So anyway, Greg sees Xenon, and he's like, what's up, baby girl? You look cute. You want to come hang out and, like, touch a horse? And he takes her to his stable. Like, I'm not, that's not a euphemism. And he takes her, like, on a horse, and he teaches her how to ride a bike, and he's showing her that Earth is fun. And then Aunt Judy, the Lisa Kudrow type, which that I remembered crystal clear. She's very much so that type. And she also is, like, the person who's, like, making, like, jokes to herself. that she's, like, just laughing, but no one's laughing with her. But they're always funny. Have you ever noticed that? When the weird person makes jokes to themselves and they think they're funny, but nobody else does, the joke is genuinely pretty funny. Or maybe that just speaks to, you know, my taste in humor. But so Aunt Judy, why this was such a huge part of her character, I'm not super sure, but she's just terrible with men. She's afraid of space and she's terrible with men. That's Aunt Judy in a nutshell. Ah, trapped in a nutshell. That's also Aunt Judy in a nutshell. Oh, but I'm dumb. Aunt Judy would like that joke. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, so that's like her thing. So when Xenon is like doing well with Greg, she's like, oh, you've been on Earth for five days and I've already been doing better with men than I have for 30 some years. It's like, ew, Aunt Judy, keep it in your pants, you nut. Maybe that's why nobody wants to hang out with you. But anyway, so Xenon's doing well on Earth. Um, Greg has a little, you know, fling before Xenon gets there, or at least a girl that has a crush on him. Her name's Margie. She's the one from Princess Diaries. And, um, oh gosh, I think I wrote down his name. But there's also a little science friend of Greg's, and it is the gentleman who plays um, X-Ray in Holes. You guys remember the movie Holes? He's the guy who makes um, Shia LaBeouf's character, Stanley Yelnats, give him the lipstick so he doesn't have to work because he's, you know, been digging holes longer than everybody else. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to fill time to see if I could find his name. Brandon Jefferson. Yep, Brandon Jefferson. (laughs) I did it. 
And you thought I was not going to be able to find it, but I did. Anyway, so Brandon Jefferson's there. And so that's, you've got like this cool little science click, which is going to come in handy because Xenon finds out, out now, that Wyndham and Lutz have planted a virus on the space stay with that little chip I was talking about. That's how they get the virus into the mainframe. That's slowly going to corrupt the space station until it just shuts down and kills everybody aboard. Pause for effect. They're going to do it because they want, I guess they want the insurance money um, because his corporation isn't doing well or whatever, but they were just going to kill an entire space station worth of people, which is why it should be run by the government and not by a private corporation. So Xenon finds out about this virus because she has um, Brandon Jefferson's character like put it in his computer to see what's going on. And it literally fries his computer, like smoke shoots out, it collapses. And then, and probably my favorite part of the movie, the kid like taps on the keys. Like, buddy, your computer's smoking. Do you think hitting the space bar a couple times is going to do anything? No. So Xenon finds out about this. They reverse engineer a virus and they have to get it into the space station. So they try to remote in. Unsuccessful. Um, They're going to have to get back on board to the space station. But she's been grounded and her parents won't listen to her even though their space station is collapsing. She's like, isn't everything freaking out aboard? And they're like, no, it's cool. And then they hang up their video call and they're like, how did she know? I'm like, she knows because she's telling the truth. You friggin' buffoons. Think this through for one second. Your daughter is accurately telling you what's happened, even though you know because you put a little parental block in her FaceTime machine that she can't talk to anybody aboard, but you're going to ignore what she's saying anyway. Neither here nor there. Actually, it's everywhere. It's right here. It's a very important part of the movie is that nobody trusted her. And it wasn't even like a boy who cried wolf situation. You know, she's not been wrong about everything. She's just been too rambunctious. So I guess that makes her untrustworthy. Not to me. My kid and my kid is actually predicting things that are happening in space thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from where she is. I listen to her. But anyway, so she's going to have to get back on the space station herself without anyone else's help to undo this virus. Well, fortunately for her, <laughs> she has a method. Because before getting grounded, Xenon won a contest to dance on stage with Protozoa's band Microbe. Yes, Protozoa is the man, Microbe is the band. Zoom, 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 it make my heart go boom, boom is the song. So she made a little model of him and they picked her as the winner to dance on stage for the first concert in space. Eat it, Lady Gaga. Protozoa is going to do it. Well, technically, I guess Lady Gaga still has the chance to beat Protozoa, you know, if we're considering Xenon to be true, because that's several years in the future. But guess what? They did it back in 99, so I digress. Eat it, Lady Gaga. Although don't. I love you. Joanne was a masterpiece. So Xenon is like, oh, okay, Protozoa is going to be flying up to the space station for this concert, which was put on by Wyndham to kill this huge band so that people would never think he exploded his space station on purpose. Like, you brought up this band. Like, clearly you had pure intentions. You had no idea what was going on when the whole time he did. Little schmuck. So Zen's like, okay. Goes to, like, the launch of Protozoa and says, Hi, it's me. Like, I made this. I'm supposed to dance with you. Bless her little heart. She had put a picture of herself on the uh, little model she submitted. So they're like, oh, that is you. Cool, let's go to space together. So they go to space together, followed closely behind by Wyndham Lutz and Aunt Judy. So they're all on the space station together. They get there. It's collapsing. They don't know what to do. In just an absolute nonsense plot twist, Aunt Judy and Commander Plank, who's like the commander of the space station, who's always on Xena's, Xenon's case, 
Xena. <laughs> That'd be a weird movie. Um, like physically runs into Aunt Judy, like the space station jolts and they get pushed together. And then I guess they fall in love in those two minutes. I don't, I wish I could explain to you why Aunt Judy having a love interest was such a huge part of this movie, but it's truly beyond me. But anyway, so they get to the space station, everything's collapsing. Xenon's like, I know what to do. I know how to fix it. Has the code or excuse me, has the, um, has the disc and needs to enter a code. And naturally, you know, they're 10 seconds away from complete shutdown. And she's trying to enter the code. And even though she was the one that, like, helped develop this antivirus, she can't remember the code for whatever reason. Although she is admittedly operating under stress. Um, so it's like 10, 5, 4, 3, and she gets it. But she gets it just as the screen goes black. And you're like, oh, no. Every, all the lights powered down. Virus deactivated. All systems functional. Everyone's so happy. Xenon saved the day. Dab, dab, dab. They didn't dab. It was 99. But if I was them and they made this movie today, dab, dab, dab. Uh, the concert goes on as expected. Xenon, who was like, I've just spent this whole time flying into space with my favorite band. Um, I don't need to dance with them on stage. Donates her dance to Nebula. Nebula dances, plays a tambourine because those are timeless instruments. Xenon is like dancing, smiling in the crowd. Freeze frame. End of movie. Oh, what a happy ending for Xenon Girl of the 21st century. But what happens in this movie is only as cool as it happens or as how the story is told. What a neat sentence I just said. Um, so I was watching this movie and I wrote down alternatively titled Valley Girls in Space. The way that they speak is there's lots of majors and minors and totallys and everything is for the space day kids because there's two separate groups. There's the space day kids and the earth kids and they do have very specific ways of speaking. Um, so the space kids all have appropriately, in my opinion, sort of space themed slang. So things are major or minor, which is, you know, like stars can be major or minor. Um, Nova is cool. Supernova is unbelievably cool. Inky, which is kind of a Scooby-Doo term, but it's for something that's not so great. Gaseous is terrible. Anything major, you know, like crush major, um, something that's really cool, like, um, really cool, huh? Somebody that's really like hot is thermal. So tons of space terms, thinking stars, thinking suns, thinking black holes. And then the earth kids have much more, um, I guess, earth terms. So they have things like macro and micro, which again is more physical, um, not so like conceptual or gaseous. Uh, things are alpha that are cool, uh, viral. So stuff like that. So the earth kids have much more tactile terms, um, than the space kids. But anyway, so they just speak to one another and Zetus Lapidus is, I think the term that really stuck out the most from this movie I did keep track. They say it 13 times, which is about 13 times less than what I would have thought they would say it. I honestly thought I was going to be in the 20s for this count. But shockingly not. And it really kind of starts slow. Um, you know, I think I had about two or three. And then when Xenon gets on Earth, it's Zetus Lapidus this and Zetus Lapidus that. Nebula at one point says it twice in two sentences. So I was like, can't we all just cool it? But the lingo, it's so fun. And it was, it's an interesting choice because, like I said, the movie was made in 99. And I think Valley Girls were sort of early, late 80s, early 90s. I'm thinking Clueless, of course, as the prime example. So it wasn't 
too far away from when they made the movie that that was popular. So it was interesting that they chose to present that as like coming back into style. Um, and just sort of like the, you know, the intonation or the cadence of their sentences. Like, and I got no way. That is Ursula Major, like, inky for sure. I know that every year, every decade, every age group, whatever has their slang. But this one is clearly very inspired by the Valley Girls. So I was just like, well, that's a fun way to bring it around. You know, fashion cyclical and so can words be. Wow. A lot of talk for words for me to not be good at using them. Um, Lutz, the henchman that I was talking about earlier, is... I don't know if you guys are big Parks and Rec fans, but he does have a minor, minor role in a later episode of Parks and Rec where Ben finally goes to work for the accounting firm and they're so excited to have him and he needs to work on this, like, arbitration of a will or whatever. And then the guy who loves him is really excited, but then there's a guy who's a little more suspicious, like, I don't think you're going to be able to do it, Ben. And then he does, Natch. Uh, That guy is the guy that plays Lutz in this movie. Clearly a gay man. Like, you know him when you see him. And villainous. And I was a little disappointed in the movie for going this route. Um, There's tons of different terms for this, but it's basically been going on since the dawn of cinema but a lots of villains are coded or they're gay but they're coded as evil because they're very feminine and they're you know they're not very masculine making them the opposite of the masculine hero um which is not to say that xenon is a masculine hero but she certainly is all about girl power which is again not masculine at all but she's very strong so to pair her up against Lutz, who is this sort of effeminate, narrow build, wearing, you know, very fashionable suits and has a certain way of speaking, um, to make him the villain, it's, it's old hat, you know, um, Disney, I think, is very good at doing that sort of thing, if you look back at some famous Disney villains, you know, I'm thinking, um, Scar from The Lion King, uh, Hades from Hercules, Ursula from The Little Mermaid, who is, you know, I know a woman, I'm not an idiot, but she is based off a drag queen. Um, Divine, I believe, is the name of the drag queen. A lot of, like, John Waters movies. Um, and I think, actually, a tangent, I think they're going to, when they do, like, the live version of The Little Mermaid, I think they're going to make Ursula, like, a drag queen play Ursula, which I think would be a lot of fun. But anyway, so it's it's been going on forever. Disney's kind of actually really well known for it, but it's always so weird to see this um, you know, now with having studied cinema, um, I don't, I don't mean to brag about this and I know it's not like that cool, but I just truly don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast or not, but I did minor in cinema studies in college. So I have, you know, not just like your, your average run of the mill studying, reading stuff online. Like I was forced to really, um, (laughs) really look into this stuff. Like I took a queer cinema class. So Not that I'm an expert, but I certainly know what I'm talking about. And it's so weird now to look back on things that I would have never, ever noticed as a kid. You know, when I was a a child watching this movie, I wasn't like, that's a gay guy, but they're making him a villain. And I'm not super sure why. And I'm like, well, now I know why. Because they thought gay people were evil. So it's easy to make the two synonymous. Uh, Which, you know, in the long run, not super helpful to anyone's portrayal. But anyway, 
I talked a lot about um, the technology at the jump, the first part of this podcast. Oh, uh, while I have you here, speaking of technology and the first part of this podcast, uh, there's a new theme song. You might have noticed, you might not have, that's fine. Um, I didn't preface it at the very beginning of this podcast because when I first recorded it, I was having some technical difficulties with getting the new theme song I made in here. Um, That's also the reason why I didn't have it for the first episode of season two, which would have been, you know, the natural time to start it. But that's all resolved, so enjoy the new theme song. Uh, anyway, the technology in the movie, they had, you know, they had FaceTiming, they had tiny little discs, they have electric cars, um, they, every car in this movie is a Volkswagen bug, like all of them, they're all electric, they can drive themselves, and they're all Beatles, <laughs> like, I didn't, it, truly, you're driving on the road and just hues, various, it looked like Germany. I mean, so many Volkswagens, just various hues of them everywhere. I don't know what the deal was to make that happen in the movie, or I guess maybe we didn't have Priuses, Pri in 99. I can Google it, but I don't want to. Um, but yeah, that was like, that was the car. They were all electric, they were so quiet, and they were good for the environment, and they were Humpty Dumpty cars. But they also had a lot of other things coming into the movie um, that I did not remember. For example, one guy, they're doing like a news report and he's just standing there with a helmet with a camera attached to it. And as a kid, I was like, what, sir? What have you done? What? It's called a GoPro now. We all do it. I can't tell you the number of GoPro videos. I have spent hours watching GoPro videos. I thought, you know, this guy's doing his news broadcast. He should have a regular camera. Who cares? It's just the same. You can put a GoPro on the back of a dog and watch that dog run from the top of a hill down into the ocean. And it's pure joy. So I get the GoPro. Xenon called GoPro. They're not sponsored by GoPro. Saying their name a lot. But, uh, you know. What am I going to do? <laughs> they also have um, wireless earbuds. Eat your heart out, Apple. Um, they are... Like, not, you know, wraparounds are not wireless over-ear headphones like your classic Dr. or Dr. Dre. Beats by Dr. Dre. Um, they are, like the AirPods, the new Apple, you know, just goes into the ear, no cord at all. Xenon had that. Um, I have those headphones, and they're fantastic. So I really appreciate, you know, knowing that back in 99, they were working on it. I like to think that, like, every time you see tech in an old movie, somebody saw it and was like, Eventually, we're going to have the technology to do that for real, and I'm going to be the one that does it. R.I.P. Steve Jobs. It wasn't him, but somebody at Apple, I can only assume, was heavily influenced by this movie. The space travel, we don't have, obviously, but just thinking about the technology, they're so bizarrely casual with space travel, I can't wrap my head around it. From what I can understand, the space day is kind of the only thing that's in space. Like, they never mentioned the Russian space day or the Chinese space day or the Canadian or whatever. Um, the people on board, you never hear anyone speaking anything other than English. So I'm assuming they're all, you know, from North America or from Canada and America, mostly America. Although I think they did shoot the movie in Canada, so probably technically more Canadians than anything else, but whatever. Um, but they have, you know, a ship that takes you to space. Think about that now. Think about what NASA's up to. It takes quite a bit. You know, there's like a whole, they build like a whole freaking structure just to shoot one of these bad boys in the space. In Xenon, it is, you know, like a, it looks like a, like a spaceship, kind of like a mix between like a space shuttle and an airplane. And they just land dockside. <laughs> they just hover over the water and land on a dock like they're a freaking boat. And then they just shoot off into space. You know, it kind of can hover up and down. So like a helicopter. 
a little bit so you can get over the bridge and off you go into space. I'm like, there wasn't TSA. Nobody's got a passport. There wasn't any security. Xenon snuck onto a freaking ship that took her to space. Like, there should be a little more security. Tweens can't be going to space willy-nilly. But I don't, I guess, I guess in this movie, you know, going to space is nothing, nothing special. So, whatever. Um, the Aunt Judy does mention, you know, because Xenon comes down and she had lived on Earth until she was, I think, five. And her mom was just, like, really afraid of Earth. She was, like, held up at gunpoint and, like, lived through the great earthquake of 30 or whatever. So her mom's like, we're going to space. And the mom actually says, I thought this was supposed to be the safe option as the space stays shutting down. It's like, bitch, you live in outer space. How the hell is that the quote-unquote safe option? Your whole structure isn't attached to anything. Space is the biggest thing. There's nothing bigger than space. Like, the ocean can eat a dick. We haven't seen the bottom of it, but we have no idea about space. It goes on forever. Try not to think about that too hard. It can get overwhelming. But why you think that's a safer option than Earth is beyond me. Anyway, <laughs> so Xenon is like, yeah, I've seen Earth. Like, it should be cooler than this. Like, you guys look like you're living in olden days. And she's like, well, I'm like in this town because it's not like that. Like, if you go to New York or the big cities, they have monorails and they have all this other stuff. And her town is keeping it low key, which is cool um, to see Xenon kind of have to go back a, like into a much different sort of technological space than she has on the space day. Um, but it would have, I, I know exactly why they did it, or I have my hunch. I would assume it's cheaper to shoot, you know, in Vancouver or wherever they're shooting this movie and not have to worry about, you know, CGIing monorails and all this other like high tech high rises. And it's been like, yeah, like our town was just like low key like that. But it was, it made for an interesting dynamic as well. Cause I can't imagine, you know, Xenon goes to New York. A, people will probably like her more. So there wouldn't be the drama because she's from outer space and outer space is cool. And B, like, you know, Greg works at a stable and you wouldn't have the horse. I, I know I keep talking about this damn horse, but I just remember even as a kid, I came home from like a softball game and I was sitting on the fireplace. The fireplace wasn't on because the movie came out, I believe, in the summer or the spring. And I was just sitting there watching it as a child. That was the first time I ever saw it. And I remember thinking, this fucking horse. I can't tell you why the horse sticks so clearly in my mind. I don't particularly like horses. I rode two horses in my life. One, I was an old woman. I can't remember her name. And she was slow and she was steady. And another horse I rode was named Whiskey. And he was an asshole and he ran me into a tree. Appropriately named, frankly, guys. But yeah, for whatever reason, I can't get over this horse. She combs it. She rides it. It stinks. And Greg is like, yeah, don't you love that smell? And I was like, Greg, you like the smell of horse shit, you psychopath. Anyway, <laughs> so that was fun to see her kind of go back even though the movie set in the future to go back into like quote unquote simpler times where they weren't so dependent on technology. Like she's amped on pizza and burgers and like onion rings because on the space day they can only eat what they grow and they need to, um, like hydroponic, I think that might not be a word, but they needed it to like produce oxygen. So they're just eating like leaves and stuff. And she's like freaking out about dairy products and meat products because she just doesn't have them. So that was also kind of fun. You know, it's always fun when somebody gets to geek out over onion rings. I think every movie should have a makeover scene, fashion montage, and somebody being excited about eating a new kind of food. Okay, gang, I will leave you with this about Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Xenon Carr is her full name, and the Carr family, I think I talked about, are kind of, like, well-known on the space station. And Xenon, you know, they have, like, little uniforms. Oh my god. Remember how earlier in the podcast I was talking about how I remembered one kid having like a sash 
backpack. I was wrong. Everybody in this movie, Earth and Space Kids alike, have sash backpacks. They're basically like tiny little purses because that's what they keep their giant like phones in, basically. They're not phones, but they're their little palm pilots with like video screens and stuff. That's what they keep them in. So that's why I remember them so well. It's because everybody had one because that's how you kept your technology with you. Imagine if iPhones or Android phones or Google phones or whatever were so big that we had to like carry special little bags for them. And I'm not talking like a clip on your belt like my dad, who's a dork, but I love him, but you get it. Uh, he doesn't do it anymore. Blessings. Anyway, imagine, you know, if we didn't have that, we had actual bags for our phones. Preposterous. But anyway, so Xenon, they have, you know, their average clothes, but she always has like a big old metallic Z, like stitched into her shirts. I was like, this girl is extra as fuck. And then I found out where she got it from. There's a shot of her parents walking down the hallway as the space station is collapsing. And they both have belts, which is normal. People wear belts to hold their pants up. But their belt buckles are big C's for car. Nobody else in this movie has anything monogrammed or their initials or like their name on anything. But these yahoos have big old C belts. Like, you gotta be kidding me. The car family, extra as fuck in space. There you have it. Um, that's all I want to say about Xenon. That's not all I want to say, but that's all I'm going to say because time is of the essence and I have been talking for too long. But anyway, thank you for listening. Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about what I've said, go ahead and tell me. I love talking to people. Um, preferably if you just want to tell me like how much you like this. That's, that's the best news I could get. Or if you want to suggest a movie, obviously, let me know. Um, the movie for the next episode is going to be Drum roll, please. 2003's Ride on Track, starring Beverly Mitchell from Seventh Heaven and Brie Larson from, like, everything now. Um, I was just, I was on the internet, as you are, and I saw, you know, like, these stars you didn't know were in Disney Channel original movies, and I said, I know everybody was in a Disney Channel original movie. I, I'm very familiar. And there was Brie Larson, and I had forgotten she was in this movie. I was like, that's one we're going to watch. It's one I remember almost nothing about, so it'll be a lot of fun instead of me talking about movies that I love, because we'll be uh, learning together. And so concludes another episode of Decommunist for the final time. Thanks for listening. I love you. Bye!